1: good morning beloved family how are you it is good to be with you as always 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 we are in uh, Paschal tide the second week of Paschal tide which um, begins at Easter and ends at Pentecost it's a fabulous beautiful time of the year focused on our Lord's resurrection I always think back to my first uh, meeting with Jews for Jesus, when I was not yet a Christian, and they were the evangelical Protestants, and they kept telling me that Christ died for our sins, and that he was the true Lamb of God, and all of that, but um, I began to think what they said was true, but... Uh, I got together with them a few weeks later, and they were talking about his being alive, and I said, excuse me over there, you told me he died. And they said, well, yes, but he rose from the dead. And I said, why didn't anybody say so? Everyone dies, no one comes back alive. It's wonderful. So that was huge, Um and I remember I went right into my that evangelical church, uh, John MacArthur Grace Community Church in California, and I was in heaven, um, and that was, let's see, it was October of 76, and the first Christmas after that, John MacArthur was giving a wonderful homily, as he always did, a sermon on Christmas, but he talked about the babe that came and who died, And I called his office the next day, and I said to his secretary, tell John to tell him that he came out of the grave, that he's alive. That's the story. Vindicated, Paul wrote to the Romans, uh, as God by the resurrection from the dead. If he only died and remained a dead hero, we would be uh, doomed. But he didn't. He rose from the dead and opened heaven and gives life to all all who will come to him. He died for you, beloved, if you are listening. He died for you. Well, you say, he doesn't even know me. Oh, yes, he does. He created you. He created you in love and for love and out of love to know him. Well, what if I don't know him? Well, then you don't have life. Then you're doomed. To know God, to to know him is to have eternal life. That life begins here on earth, when we give our lives to him, and it continues through all of eternity if we don't by our own free will turn from him. It's wonderful, beloved. If you have aching in your heart because your marriage is is fine, but and your children and everything is fine, you're living the life that you always dreamed of, and yet something's incomplete, it's because you don't have a relationship with God. That's why. Um, and... Uh, whatever relationship you do have with God will never be fulfilled and never be complete until you are truly home inside the Catholic Church, the Church, not a denomination, the Church Christ established on earth. We are going to continue in the Catechism Explained with Reverend Sparago, and we're talking about the attributes of God, the divine attributes attributes. And we are on point seven. God is supremely good. He loves his creatures far more than a father loves his children. And you know, I say it's, it's just so tragic today that children who are abused by their fathers or who grow up with no father, they have little idea of who God is and his love for them because a child's parents mother and father represent God to them and if the parents are loving and kind and forgiving and wise and attentive and uh, devote their lives to to that the growth of that child the child gets to know that their parents are a reflection of the true God who loves them more than any human being can God loves his creatures and loads them with benefits He is love itself. The spring cannot, Reverend Parago says, the spring cannot but send forth water and the sunlight. The goodness of God differs from that of his creatures as the sun differs from the light shed upon a wall. His creatures are good because God sheds his goodness upon them. Hence our Lord says, none is good but one, that is God. The love of God extends to all the creatures that he has made. And that means the love of God extends to all the creatures because he's made all creatures. As the sun lights up the boundless firmament, so God extends his goodness to all creatures. Not one of them is excluded from it, not one of them is forgotten by God. But God has an especial love for mankind. He imparts countless benefits to them. And he sent his son on earth to redeem them. What wonderful bodies God has given us. He has bestowed upon us our senses and the gift of speech. How many gifts he has conferred upon our souls. He has given us understanding, free will, and memory. For our bodies, he gives us food, drink, and clothing, and health, etc. How well he has provided for our necessities on this earth. Light, warmth, the air, the plants, the trees, and their various fruits. How many powers he has implanted in nature for us to use for our own benefit. Coal, salt, stone, marble, precious stones. He has in fact made man the Lord of the whole world. He loves us far more than we love ourselves. His love for us is far greater than that of the fondest, mother for her child. I remember the story of the conversion story, beloved, of Roy Shoman, who you may know, who um, as an Orthodox Jew really began to question the very existence of God. And walking along the beach one day, um, he felt the presence and he knew in that presence, he didn't know who that presence was. He figured that presence was God, but he didn't want that God to turn out to be Jesus Christ because of his Jewish background. He said, I don't care who you are, Buddha, uh, Hare Krishna, whoever you are, as long as you're not Jesus Christ. And a year later, the Blessed Mother appeared to Roy Shoman. Um, it's a magnificent story, and he knew that the presence the year before had been... Um, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of that beautiful Mother, and the Son of God, and God the Son. Roy's story is, is just so wonderful, and I brought it up because um, uh, he said that he knew where he, he had been concerned that he wasn't loved, but he knew then that he was infinitely loved, more than he could ever imagine from the moment of his birth. If you wish to hear Roy's story, just look up Roy Showman online and you'll hear his story. His website is Salvation is from the Jews, and it'll be on there as well. The love of all creatures, Reverend Sparago says, for God is not nearly as great as the love of God for each one of us, but above all, God has shown his love for us in this, that he gave his only begotten son for us. Abraham could not show his love for God in any more perfect way than this, that he gave to God that which was dearest to him, which was his only son, Isaac. God did just the same. He gave his dearest and best possession, his only begotten son, Our Lord says of himself, greater love no man has this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Our Lord underwent his sacred passion and death in order to prove the excess of his love for us. His attitude on the cross proclaims it, his head bowed to give us the kiss of peace, his arms extended to embrace us, his heart opened to admit us therein. In the blessed sacrament, his love keeps him in the midst of us and seeks the closest union with us in holy communion. And finally, he promised to grant all the prayers that we offer in his name. Among men, God shows the greatest love to the just. A perfect soul, says St. Alphonsus, a perfect soul is dearer to God than a thousand imperfect ones. To them that love God, all things work together for good, Paul wrote to the Romans. Oh, how great is the multitude of thy sweetness, O Lord, which thou hast hidden for them that fear thee. Psalm thirty. God rewards the good works of the just far beyond what they deserve. He repays them a hundredfold even in this present life, Matthew 19. He loves the just in spite of their sins and imperfections, just as a mother loves her child tenderly in spite of his many defects. God manifests his love even to sinners. And I should say, dear ones, especially to sinners, because Paul wrote to the Romans that he died for us while we were yet in our sin. He didn't wait for us to get our act together. He didn't wait for us to repent. He died for the sins that separated us from him. And he continues to confer graces and benefits upon sinners until the last moment of their life. He sends them troubles to bring them to repentance. You say, why is God sending me these trials and troubles to bring us to repentance? He finds some good in all and he also loves them for what he hopes they may become. The love of God, dear ones, is like the powerful magnet that draws iron to itself. Sometimes there's an obstacle in the way so that the piece of iron cannot react um, the magnet, but the magnet continues continues to draw. The the magnet draws it all the same. So God continues to draw sinners, even though they do not come near to him. There's the music for our break, beloved. We'll be right back and we'll take your calls and your emails after the second break.
2: Hi, this is Jim Havens, co-founder of the National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood. Some truths are self-evident, some rights are unalienable. It is a scientific fact that life begins at conception fertilization. It is a foundational moral truth that we ought not murder innocent human beings. Every human being is a human person with a right to life and the equal protection of law according to the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Yet we have an ongoing daily mass murder of our little pre-born brothers and sisters it's time for all men and women of goodwill to rise up together in the public square and say no more come join us in albany new york on saturday june 3rd men let's go first and gather at 9 a.m for the men's march women we need you to join us at 10 45 a.m for the rally for personhood outside of the new york state capitol we'll have some great speakers along with terrific opportunities for formation and fellowship before and after go to themensmarch.com for all the details see you in albany
1: Hello, beloved, this is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to sermons for everyday living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you.
3: You can listen to any of our network produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts, hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one. Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform.
1: We are talking about the attributes of God, and um, we are on point seven, that God is supremely good. That is, he loves his creatures far more than a father loves his children. And God hates, he loves us, he hates only the devil and the lost. Even in hell, he shows his goodness by not punishing the lost as much as they deserve. It is because of God's love for men that hell will be so intolerable. The lost will say, if God had not loved us so much, we should not be so miserable now. Do you understand that statement? If God had not loved us so much, we should not be so miserable now. Since God loves us so dearly, we should love him dearly in return. We should not be afraid of him, but should draw near to him, with childlike confidence. Since God is so good to us, we must also be good to our fellow men. God has given us a command to love him, to love our neighbors, to love our enemies, and also to perform works of mercy. God also wishes us to be kind and merciful to the brute creation. Number eight, God is very patient. He leaves the sinner time for repentance And a change of life. Men are wont to punish quickly, not so God. He endures along the rebellion of the wicked. It is not the will of God that a sinner should die, but that he should be converted from his wicked ways and live. God often gives men long warning of coming judgments. He gave those who lived in the days of Noah a warning of 120 years to the Ninevites of 40 days, to the Jews a warning of 40 years before the destruction of Jerusalem. A storm does not break at once. We are forewarned by the gathering clouds and the darkness. So God warns us of coming punishment. He does not at once cut down the barren tree. God's manner of action is opposite to that of man man constructs slowly and destroys quickly god constructed the universe in six days but he took seven days for the destruction of the little town of jericho even man prefers to build up rather than to destroy much more so does god god is so patient with us because he has compassion on our weakness, and because he desires to make conversion easy to the sinner. Do you hear that, beloved? If you're away from God, if you've sinned, if you've turned from him, he's patient. He makes conversion easy, beloved. Just tell him how sorry you are. Go to a priest and Give your confession to God through the priest. It is God who forgives your sins, but he has chosen to forgive sins through the priest. It is God who rebukes your wayward children, but he's chosen to rebuke them through the parents he has given them. God deals with us as mother deals with a peevish infant. She presses it close to her breast and coaxes it to be good. Knowest thou not, says Saint Paul, that the goodness of God leadeth thee to to penance? God deals with us patiently for our sakes, not being willing that any should perish, but that all should come to penance. Repentance or penance. With many sinners God's patience had not has not been lost. Look at Saint Mary Magdalene, Saint Augustine, Saint Mary of Egypt, But with others, it affects nothing. The same sunlight hardens the mud and softens the wax. If God were not patient with us, no one would be saved, for we are all sinners who have been unfaithful to him. But though God is so patient, it is dangerous to put off conversion, for the longer God delays his vengeance, the more terrible it is when it comes upon the sinner. It is just like an arrow from the bow. The more the bow or the bow is drawn back, the greater the force with which the arrow flies. Compare the awful end of Antiochus Epiphanes in Second Maccabees. We must not think because God is so patient that he has forgotten our sins. Say not, I have sinned and what harm hath befallen me. The most high is a patient rewarder. Don't you say that. Don't you say that. You will be uh, bringing on the wrath of God. You will be asking for it. Number nine. God is full of mercy and compassion. He very readily forgives our sins when we are sincerely sorry for them. Our Lord gives a beautiful object lesson of the mercy of God in the story of the prodigal son. See how quickly God forgives the sin of King David. It is a property of God to have mercy and to spare. His mercy is infinite. Like the sea, it has no bounds. God requires of us that we should forgive 70 times 7. How immeasurably merciful, therefore, must God be. The mercy of God especially shows itself in the way in which he seeks out the sinner seeking to win him both by benefits and by the sufferings he inflicts and also in the love with which he receives again and again the greatest sinner after his conversion showing him a greater good um, a greater goodwill will than before God is like the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd who goes after the lost sheep until he finds it, dear ones. God sent the prophet Nathan to David. He himself sought out the Samaritan woman. And often he sends troubles that through them the prodigal son may be brought to his senses. He is like a fisherman who tries every sort of device to entice fishes into his net. God is always ready to pardon even the greatest sinner. For he says, if your sins be as scarlet, pardon me, if your sins be as scarlet, they shall be made white as snow, and if they be red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. Isaiah chapter 1. In fact, the greater the sinner, the more lovingly does God receive him. If he is willing, to amend. Hence David says to God, be merciful to my sin, for it is great, dear Lord. God is a fisherman. He's like a fisherman, who is more glad to catch big fish than small ones. No one is lost because he has committed great sins, but many are lost because they have committed one sin of which they will not repent. Even Judas would have received forgiveness if he had asked for it, beloved. God sometimes forgives the sinner in the last moment of life. He received the good thief on the cross. Yet this is no reason for putting off repentance till the last. God justified one man at the last moment. That none might despair, but only one that might presume, says St. Augustine. A deathbed repentance is generally a very doubtful business. The dying sinner forgets his sins rather because he cannot help it than because from his heart he detests them. He is like the mariner who throws his goods into the sea simply from fear of death not because he wishes to get rid of them. Witness now rarely a conversion made in peril of death provides lasting. Witness how rarely a conversion made in peril of death proves lasting if the sick man recovers. It is absurd, says St. Bernardine of Siena, that a man who would not fight when he was well and strong should be moved to to combat when he is sick and weak. God always receives the repentant sinner most lovingly. Oh, I'm so sorry, beloved. See how Christ received with tender compassion Magdalene the woman taken in adultery and the thief on the cross. And I want to add me. He received me. How kindly the father of the prodigal son received him. God receives the sinner far more kindly than that. Before he knocks at the door, it is open to him. Before he falls on his knees, before thee, thou stretchest out thy hand to him. Our Lord says that there is more joy in heaven over one sinner doing penance than over ninety-nine just men who need not penance. Luke uh, 15 says that. The reason of this is that the sinner who does penance generally, generally serves God more zealously and faithfully. God bestows upon the sinner, after his conversion, greater benefits than he did before he went astray. The father of the prodigal son killed the fatted calf and made a great feast with music and dancing. Sometimes the benefits of God, witnessed, hold on just a moment, sometimes the benefits of God bestows on the converted sinner are, let me reread that, so sorry, my fault, sometimes the benefits God bestows on the converted sinner are external more than they are inner consolations and graces witnesses St. Paul raised to the third heaven. The good shepherd has more joy in over the return of one wandering sheep than over the 99 that never went astray. Dear ones, we're going to stop there for today on the divine attributes of God, and we're going to go to a break in just a, a minute. And you are welcome to call in with anything on your heart. I love when you call in and send emails because they keep me awake. Isn't that terrible to say? I don't know why I'm so tired. But um, uh, we will have a whole half hour. Our lines are open. You're welcome to call in. And I love when you do. Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com and I'll just remind us that um, the um, on-air appeal um, for the Station of the Cross, their semi-annual appeal is coming up the first week in May, uh, their spring appeal, and they've titled it Lord Hear Our Prayers because they will have a prayer wall. They already have it for everyone who calls in and leaves a prayer. And whoever sees that wall or reads it prays for everybody else on that wall. You'll have thousands praying for you. So call in um, with with any gift of any size. Uh, you can call in ahead and avoid waiting online for someone to answer your call. Um, uh, and the toll-free number is, well, let me see what that is. Uh, it's 1-877-711-8500 to donate, and then um, uh, to call the program, it's the 5483 number. This
4: is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for April 19th. Today we celebrate Saint Gianna Beretta Mola. In fewer than 40 years of life, Gianna Mola became a pediatrician, wife, mother, and saint. The 10th of 13 children, Gianna earned degrees in medicine and surgery, eventually opening a clinic in Masero, Italy. Her 1955 marriage to Peter Mola was a happy one, and together they became the parents of a son and two daughters. Early in her fourth pregnancy, Gianna learned that a tumor was growing in her uterus along with the baby. Although the doctors recommended performing a hysterectomy, Gianna insisted that they remove only the offending tumor. With great faith and courage, Gianna made the choice that enabled her child to survive. Seven months later, Gianna died from childbirth complications following the delivery of her third daughter, Gianna Emanuela. At her canonization in 2004, Pope John Paul II said of Gianna Barretta Mola, this holy mother of a family remained heroically faithful to the commitment she made on the day of her marriage. The extreme sacrifice she sealed with her life testifies that only those who have the courage to give of themselves totally to god and to others are able to fulfill themselves there's more about the saints along with inspiration and catholic resources at our website SaintOfTheDay.org. from franciscan media this has been saint of the day
3: for two thousand years we've helped the poor and comforted the sick we've educated generations of children developed the scientific method and college system We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the Church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home.
1: I'm thrilled to take your calls and your emails with whatever is on your heart. And as always, you're welcome to call in anonymously or write in anonymously as well. The toll-free number, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at cross dot com. We have Joe on the line from Massachusetts. Hi, Joe.
5: Hello, Mother Miriam. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks, and thanks for your call, honey.
5: May I first apologize if you've ever explained this, probably numerous times, um, and yet even though I read the Bible, all I've actually read the Bible once, but I've read other Bibles also, um, so I read the King James and twice, and I read the uh, Jehovah's Witness uh, once, and I read uh, the New American once. So I'm pretty familiar, I'm not going to call myself a scholar because I, I, that's why I'm calling you, if it's okay.
1: Of course it's okay, I'm not a scholar either, go ahead. So,
5: I had a conversation with a woman who's going through an awful lot of angst. And, and she is, in my opinion, Mother Miriam, she's holy, okay? She's not Catholic, but she's holy. She practices her faith and she believes in Jesus. But what she is doing that's causing her angst, and I would love to present it, you know a, a, a way out for her, if that's possible, is under the obedience, you know, she should be subordinate to her husband. and And that's she's so literal about that. And this guy, that she's married to. And I'm certainly not going to get involved in a marriage. She's not a romantic interest to me, but she's really hurting, you know, because you live your life as an independent. Uh, you go into a marriage as a, um, an independent and she is literally, she is being dominated in, in whatever decision, uh, whatever decision is made is not hers to make. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's enough for me. If you would comment on that?
1: Yes. What do you think, if she could present the question of her greatest um, pain and suffering through this, what would her question be through all this?
5: I would say that why would a person enter a marriage with another human being, when they would lose their identity just because of being female.
1: Well, that's completely out of God's design, that any woman would lose their identity because she's female, any more than a man would lose his identity because he's male. No one loses their identity. That's not what marriage is about. Marriage is, is about becoming saints, about a husband and wife helping one another to heaven—that's what marriage is for, and and procreation, so to to raise up saints for the kingdom. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the statements of Saint Francis de Sales is to be be yourself and be that well. And if it's a good marriage, and if the husband and wife are following God's design, they're going to become their identity is going to become more solidified individually uh they 're going to become more themselves they 're going to be more loving they 're going to be more free uh they 're going to be everything God made them to be if it 's a proper marriage um so if 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 the wife is asking why God would have her lose her identity, he would not that 's the answer to that i don 't know what 's going wrong in their marriage, but absolutely not
5: Please may I she I think she 's one thing. Please. She's focused on the, the subordination.
1: All right, that's Ephesians chapter 5. Wives, submit to your husband. But a wife is to submit to her husband as to the Lord, as to Christ, because he is the head. He is supposed to be the, her head, her protector, her guide, her leader, and she is to be the heart. And so she is to submit to a man as she submits to Christ because he's put the husband as the protector and the leader and the priest of the family. Uh, And the husband is to lay down his life for his wife as Christ laid down his life for the church. And that's the love that God intends a woman to submit to, not to lose her identity but to know how beautiful and cherished she is and to become more fully who she is because she's not under a man who controls her or bosses her around, excuse me, or dominates her, but a man who again will lay lay down his life for her as Christ did the church and lead her. Excuse me for these hiccups. Um, Do do they have children?
5: Uh, No, they do not have children,
1: how long um, are they married, do you know?
5: Yeah, only a, a very short while and it's uh, probably a year, maybe two the most. And um you know, she's um she's very much um a, a, a god godly individual and I thought that he was too. But, you know, I I think I think if you're married, at least in mine, in, if you're married, you not only respect um, your husband, but the husband should respect his wife
1: also. A thousand percent. A hundred percent. And it's it's not, that's right, but they're not partners. They are equal in the eyes of God. They are equal in dignity, but very different in role function. Um our Lord is equal to the Father. He is God, but he came in a subordinate role to do the will of the Father. And so uh, husbands and wife have very different roles, and the husband is to be the leader of the family, and they can make decisions together, but where the husband feels strongly about something, the wife should submit to that, because she, as long as it's not sin, as long as it's not abuse because who she's submitting to is God through that man. Just as para- children submit to their parents. Uh, parents are sometimes not as holy as their children. And they may not be right, but they're still to submit to them as they would submit to the Lord. Um, in everything but sin, you submitted everything but sin and you never submit to abuse. But a marriage, it should be Both parties putting in 100%. But if the husband puts in 3%, the wife should still put in 100%. And if the wife puts in 3%, the husband still puts in 100%. It's not 50-50. Each one puts in 100. And if the wife is in that marriage, she did not enter a marriage to enter a partnership or to have equal uh, standing in all things. No. She entered to be led by God to heaven through her husband and her husband has the huge responsibility of being the priest of the family and loving his wife and laying down his life for her now if she believes in jesus are they christians
5: they are they're they're um they are
1: okay and they're both baptized
5: uh they're both baptized in under the protest protestant faith
1: okay well then they should know scripture and they should read Ephesians 5 and First um, and Timothy, wives submit to your husband. Um, and again, it's not a slave situation. A child submits to their parent in order to be healthy and free and grow and be protected. And that's the way a wife submits to her husband. But it's as to the Lord. So if it's not a matter of sin... Because we never submit to sin, we never submit to abuse, to anyone lording it over us. That's not to be submitted to. But if the husband has a different opinion, or makes a different decision, don't argue that out. The wife could say, if he's a good man, and she's married to him, she'll express her opinion. But if he disagrees, he said, no, I want it to be this way in our home, as long as it is under God, under Christ, and it's not sinful, the wife should say yes, Lord. She's speaking to Jesus. Yes, Lord. I believe you're leading me through my husband. And that's how she'll become a saint. Not because she agrees, but because she's submitting to God in loving her husband and trusting God to lead her through him, even if he's wrong, as long as he's not sinful.
5: Wow. I mean that's it's uh
1: that's it's God's tough, design.
5: That's a tough nut.
1: Well, it 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 is if someone is willful and they they don't have a relationship with Christ. But if they grow in their spirituality and they truly love God and they have a relationship with him, then they know that the husband is the head of the wife. That's God's design. That's not the design of a a, a bully or a, a man who wants to lord it over his wife men do because they're out of sorts because they're not spiritual but a good man uh, needs to protect his wife I have a call from different families You know, I, I, we want, I want us to move here but my husband doesn't want it I want us to buy a bigger house but he doesn't want it or my husband wants a bigger house but I don't want it because I don't want to be in debt and I say let it go talk to your husband give him your reasoning all of that absolutely Inco- don't ever fight but give him your reasoning and pray pray to our lady pray a novena to our lord pray together if you can but come under his authority come under his decision trust that god is leading you through the man you married But it's not not wise. It's not a right decision. It's not smart. It's not this. It's not that. It doesn't have to be. Your submission to your husband is submission to God, and God is more interested in our becoming holy. To become holy is to be consecrated to God. And a woman who's married cannot be consecrated to God if she's fighting her husband and wants her opinions to count equally with his. They do not. God has set it up that way. And the wife might be holier, and she might be right and her husband wrong. doesn't matter. God will make her a saint if she submits to God through her husband. And he will become a saint through her submission, not her fight.
5: Well, I mean, honestly, uh, I, it, this is why I always preface any conversation with uh, "I'm not a scholar," because um, to be honest with you, it, it just seems to me. And I, I, I promise you that I will, I will transmit your your uh, words to to the person almost exactly the way you said it. But I will tell you that um, it seems. Seems um, that if God loves us equally,
1: which He does,
5: then the difference between male and female is genetic. Correct. It's not psychological.
1: That's right. Except we are different psychologically. God has made women mothers. He's put, and, and and the man, the breadwinner and the protector, and the mother, the, the the nurturer. He's given men and women different gifts. Men can't be mothers no matter what they do. Women can't be fathers no matter what they could do, what they do. There are single-parent situations that they can't uh, control. But a woman will never be a father, and a, a man will never be a mother, whether they diaper children every day or not men and women are absolutely different in the gifts god has given them and they are made to complement one another so that the woman feels fills in where the man has weaknesses and vice versa
5: thank you mother Miriam.
1: okay sweetheart you hear the music for the break okay we have andrea and albert on the line god bless you both we'll be right back after the break to take your calls don't go away be
3: often reject religion because it sometimes causes conflict. They'll say, science will fly you to the moon, religion will fly you into buildings. Is this a rational basis for rejecting religion? The answer is no, and here's the reason. First, just because something causes conflict doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. For example, many wars have been fought over land. Does this mean we should do away with the right to private property? I don't think so. Second, the objection doesn't specify which religions cause war. It may belong to the essence of some religions to spread its message by the sword, and these we should reject, but it doesn't belong to all religions. So, to the question, should I reject religion because it causes conflict? The answer is no. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. Are you
5: ready to take on the world, of flesh, and the devil with just the facts? This is Jesse Romero, host of Jesus 911, heard weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. I'm joined each day by a variety of co-hosts like Ruben Nava, Paul Clay, Dan Schneider, and my amazing wife, Anita Romero. We tackle Catholic devotions, spiritual warfare, family life, saving America, and everything in between. Join us each weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Jesus 911. God bless you. Keep the faith.
0: There's no better way to start your day than with spiritual formation from inspiring priests.
3: Remember that saying that only dead things are taken by the current. If you're alive, you have to be going against the current. If you're just floating down the river, then spiritually we're dead. That's Sermons for Everyday Living weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross.
1: And this is our last segment, dear ones. We have ten minutes. Uh, we have uh, uh, Andrea and Albert on the on the line. You're still welcome to call in if there's time. One eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at cross dot com. We keep every email. We don't get to it on the day you email. We get to it the next opportunity we can. Um, uh, we have a call from Andrea uh, in Florida. Hi, Andrea. Hi, it's Andrea. Mother Miriam. How are Andrea, you, okay, and, <laughs> my, Andrea? Okay, Andrea. Yeah. My fault. Andrea, thanks.
6: Nice to see you. Uh, speak to you. I met you last year at the site Gala in Naples. It was a, a beautiful pleasure, oh, and I want to thank you. <laughs> yeah, I want to thank you for just being such a great inspiration and, and just really speaking god's word and reminding us about god's you know uh, even as a female catholic making sure i you know dress morally mm-hmm. this is good. something I was, you know you re- reinforce thank you Very and good. you know by the grace of god god's uh, mercy he's been just so merciful on me personally you know and I, I have so many so much to share but i have two questions for you
1: Go ahead. the first
6: one is in in the mass when we say the our father uh, uh our, my parish priest said you know the parishioners are not supposed to lift their hands and like lift them up and and they should be just you know keep their hands down the priest should be only lifting their hands mm-hmm. and um i i kind of experienced this last week i went to a traditional latin mass, and the only the, the priest said to our father
1: not That's the correct. people
6: who attended so so is that a protestant thing and should i be lifting
1: my hands what's the proper thing to do it, it is a protestant thing and you should not be lifting your hands it's only for the priest and um and we are not to mimic the the um prayer posture of a priest. He is the one leading the sheep to God. He prays it and he lifts his hands and we don't lift ours or hold hands. Oh good.
6: Thank you for that clarification. I'm trying to know my faith better. The sure. second question is I went to uh, a a parish, not my home parish, but a parish close by because I was in the area. And during the Mass, when the priest says, you know, um, uh, God accept the sacrifice, uh, you know, he's supposed to say, uh, we say, in your hands. He said, in our, O U R hands. That didn't seem right to me. And just God, this was. Yeah, this was the same parish I went to, um, and I frequent when I'm in that area. But uh, an extraordinary minister had given me the host during Mass, and it dropped on the floor, and that, that minister picked it up immediately and put it in her mouth. But the priest was next to her, and I understood that they're supposed to cordon off the area, and there's a certain process. Yeah, but it's, it's,
1: they just don't treat the Holy Eucharist with reverence. You're very right. Okay. Because we step on our Lord. Um, uh, no, there shouldn't be a Eucharistic minister. No one but the sacred hands, consecrated hands of a priest should touch that holy Eucharist.
6: Okay. Okay. Those are the two um, just items that I was—they were burning for me. I'm like, I'll have to ask Mother Mary about those. So thank you very much
1: for clarifying. You're welcome, sweetheart. And if you could, f- have you been to a Latin parish? Yes. I just went last week in uh, um, Lantana, Florida. Uh, uh,
6: amazing, and it was followed by Divine Mercy Sunday. Good. My husband and I went, and my husband said, he just felt like the time passed, he couldn't believe it. He didn't feel like, you know, sometimes he gets a little bored in church, but he said it was the most beautiful experience ever. It's just, there's nothing like it. Nothing That's right. like it. That's so. right,
1: and and there is nothing like it, and it's the Mass our Lord wants. So, if you go to a Latin Mass, you will um, um, uh, not experience such irreverence and you will not have so-called extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist or Eucharistic ministers you will receive the host from the priest not even a deacon yeah thank you mother
6: Miriam god bless
1: you all right Uh, um let's see now Andrea is that it Andrea Andrea. okay god bless you honey and thanks for calling in you're welcome All right. We had Albert on the line, but it looks like you dropped off Albert. If you if you wish, uh, call back again. We still have a little time. We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, "Good morning, Mother. I'm going to a funeral this morning. I'm going for my passed away friend. I'm wondering if I should attend. His daughter and her lesbian partner will be there, along with her." other homosexual people, if they receive communion, it will sicken me. I will quietly sit in the back or should I not go and just have a mass set for him? I realize you will not get this in time. I'm just curious about your comments. I have a few weddings this summer in Catholic churches between men and women yet I know lesbians will present at them as well. It causes me such grief. What should I do? Um, dear Anonymous1, if it 's a friend of yours, I would go, and i wouldn 't worry about who else is there. I would go if someone else is there who I know, I would tell them that they must not receive communion because they are not in communion, and the church wants to protect them from telling a lie by their actions of receiving communion when they 're not um, and so um, but if you 're going to a friend, a funeral of a friend that 's passed away. Yes, and receive communion and then just close your eyes to whatever else happens or try to meet with the pastor before then and tell him that he's giving communion to uh, homosexual people, uh, practicing homosexuals before the Mass. The least he can do at a funeral, the least every priest should do at a funeral, is to say, please do not come up and receive communion if you are not fully Catholic and in a state of grace. And homosexual people might uh, live the lie that they are Catholic and in a state of grace, even that they're not. But the least the priest should do is make that announcement. And if he knows someone, is two women come up, two men come up. and if he knows they're homosexual and they put their tongues out or their hands up, he must refuse. Any so-called Eucharistic minister must refuse to give communion or you are accountable for grave sin. Okay. Um, Let me see. We have an email from Tim who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I enjoy listening to your podcast very much. I'm Catholic and 56 years old. I've been blessed uh, with a kidney transplant from my youngest sister for almost 17 years. I receive financial benefits and monthly prescription medicine to keep the kidney healthy. I also have mild cerebral palsy after being a second-born twin. I greatly improved my nervous system and alignment from doing... Um, Feldenkrais, uh, that's Awareness Through Movement, for over 10 years with a great local parishioner in San Luis Obispo. I'm grateful to receive federal assistance to rent an apartment in Santa Barbara, California. However, I'm not able to have a paying job because it will jeopardize my benefits. I met a nice Catholic. As far as that goes, I can't comment. You're not asking me on that. But uh, there are many people who receive benefits um, that should be working instead. Uh, I I can't judge these situations, but, um, um, your situation is more serious and I wouldn't want to jeopardize your benefits either, but I don't know if there couldn't be a way for you to work out doing both. I don't know that. I'm not criticizing you on that. Tim says I met a nice Catholic woman Tina on Christian Mingle an online dating platform for Christians from Cathedral City in 2015 she has four children who are in their 20s and 30s we dated for a while it became difficult to continue dating because Tina's daughter Edith and her boyfriend with their two kids are living with her Um, her son is also living with her we just didn't have the time for each other to build a relationship I'm going to read the last paragraph in case we have time. Tina and I remain very strong spiritual friends. She has been a catechist for over 15 years. She's very devout in her faith and is a hard worker. She's very kind to everyone, comes in contact with. We speak on the phone three, four nights a week. I enjoy our conversations. I'm very grateful that I met her. However, I desire to meet a Catholic woman in Santa Barbara. What are some steps that you might recommend for that to happen? I value your thoughts and feedback very much, Tim. Oh dear, Tim, Um, we have no time for me to respond. So I'll take your email first up tomorrow and I won't read the whole thing through but just answer your question on tomorrow's program, God willing. God bless all of you and live your faith.